Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Now, we have a live caller from Hawaii. It's Danny asking about PLBY, which is Playboy. I was just wondering what you think. It seems like it's on the run lately, but um, wondering what's maybe a price to get in at. And provides unbiased answers. Yeah, this is actually a name that we own for clients. We've owned it for about a month now. Invest Talk. Over 30 million downloads and counting. I had a question with interest rates being so low on savings accounts. I was thinking about moving some cash to high dividend ETFs. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, March 18th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. I appreciate you all tuning in for this hour. I'm excited to help guide you into making better investment and money decisions. And I'm going to operate this hour with our usual mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success, right? I'm not Kramer. I'm not pushing a book. I'm here to help you and bring you along in our success. Now, whether I'm bringing you market reports, stock commentary, process explanations, whatever it is, I'm going to do it all without bias. I'm here to give you the facts as I see them in front of me and based on my nearly two decades of market experience. Now, I'm Justin Klein, and of course, we encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions. When you give us a call, you shape the show to your liking, and likely the questions you have will probably help somebody else. So not only are you helping yourself, you're helping others as well, and that feels good, right? So you can call right now during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific Time, or leave your question anytime in our Invest Talk voice bank. Either way, that number is always 888 charts So let's get right to the first question now. Hi, this is Josh calling from Buffalo, New York. Love the show. And I have a question regarding AEGN, which is uh, Aegean. And they are getting acquired in uh, the remainder of their shares purchased by New Mountain Capital. I'm not sure kind of what this is going to do to the stock. It's seemingly flatlined over the past week, just kind of going sideways. And I uh, wanted to get your thoughts on what this means and uh, how the stock will likely react to this in the future. Thanks so much. Listen on the show. Have a good one. Well, they're being acquired. So that's that's really it. They're being bought by, what is it, New, Mo- New Mountain Capital? Is that a private equity or is that a SPAC? New Mountain Capital. Yeah, it looks like a, a finance company, closed-end, non-diversified investment management company. So they this is what they do. They go out there and they buy companies like this. So I'd have to look at the deal. Sometimes it's a all-cash deal. Sometimes it's part equity, part cash. I'd have to dig into that. But, yeah, let me look at this. They announced if an agreement to increase the consideration payable to $27 a share in cash and twenty from $26 a share in cash. Okay, 
So they already upped that a bit, and you've seen that in the price. Right? It was flatlining right around 26, and then they had the deal up to 27. It spiked to about 29. Maybe that was expecting someone else to come in because if after the deal, the same company is saying, okay, we're, we'll pay another dollar a share, what that likely means is Aegean has other suitors saying, hey, we, we could get more and negotiating with New Mountain. And the market was pricing that by pushing it up to $29 a share. There's still that possibility, though, that this deal goes, falls through and it actually is sold for a higher amount, maybe $28, $29, $30 a share. So be cognizant of that. But right now it's trading at $27.69. Most likely, you're going to get $27 a share. So it's going to maybe vacillate here between $27 and, and maybe $30 on the top end until the deal is finalized because until the deal is final there's always the potential for either the deal to fall through or for someone else to swoop in and offer a higher amount so don't expect a lot of movement it will probably find a steady trading amount around that $27 range because most likely that's where it's going to close but things can change so it's in cash. You're not going to get shares. If you own the stock, you're going to get the cash that the new mountain is going to pay for this name. So this is how buyouts work within the market. There's always potential for it to fall through or to be upped. Now, why am I doing this podcast? Well, I know that you need help. You need resources that give you the facts to help guide you towards your own version of financial freedom, and that's with good sound money decisions as well as effective strategies to help deal with the market that's in front of you. There's always uncertainty, but you can't let that stop you from making good decisions and finding the right opportunities for you. That's why I'm ready right now to take your calls on our Invest Talk listener line at 888 chart. Let's check on the market today. It was a solid down day, and the big reason. 10-year spiked up, closed at 1.73%, the highest level since 2000, and let's see, is that 19? Yeah, late 2000, yeah, I guess I guess it was early 2020, it was, it was still there. But we've definitely done a round trip over the past year plus on the 10-year. The 30-year hit a high of 240, two, almost two and a half above or right at the 200 week moving average. That is the highest since summer of 2019. So higher rates are spooking the market, especially the growth side of the market. I've talked about that. As long as interest rates continue to rise, this is going to hurt growth tech. I know I sound kind of probably like a broken record to you, but do you see that today? Higher rates, much, much weaker NASDAQ and growth side of the market versus the value side. Value side still down, but look at the difference here. Large cap growth was down 3.21%. Large cap value was only down 0.46%. About two and three quarters difference in performance on just one day. And so these companies are trading at high multiples, they're coming back in. 
Now you ha and you've seen that. Uh, you look at Friday the my reports on our YouTube channel. I showed you. S&P was making new highs. NASDAQ was making a lower high. It couldn't even get above the tiny little bounce that you got in late January or late February. Continues to make lower highs. And I expected to make lower lows as well. It's looking very weak. So the big question is, while there's a lot of overvaluation in that disruptive side of the market, quote unquote, there's still a good amount of value in the cyclical names, industrials, commodities, financials. Now I do think the commodity trade is gotten a little ahead of itself and you're likely to see a little weakness here in the near term, especially because the dollar is getting a little bit of a lift. But the Fed meeting yesterday, market didn't really love that. They didn't step in front of the increase in rates they're still very wishy-washy on what acceptable levels of inflation are. They say well, they're going to average it over time, but over what length of time to try to meet that 2% target. So they're accepting higher than 2% inflation. But does that mean 2 and a half? Does that mean 3? What does that mean exactly? And they did not hint at yield curve control. That's why you saw rates up. And so the market is, rea or the Fed is a reactionary body. They don't tend to get ahead of things. And so that's why you saw rates up, dollar up a bit, and you're seeing the markets come undone a bit. And we're into quadruple witching tomorrow. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we're almost through the third trading week of March. And this year, and this quarter, it does seem like it's moving fast. We're only couple weeks away from the end of the month, end of the quarter. And that's why we are here to help you develop effective strategies in order to reach your goal of financial freedom. So we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. And my focus point today concerns this question. Can you retire as a millionaire by using index funds? And this article is more about saving than it is about investing. Certainly, people can use index funds. I think they're flawed in certain ways. But if you uh, want a low-maintenance way to invest and you just market returns, they can be fine. But the main point here is at what age until retirement or how many years until retirement are you starting your savings to get to that million-dollar mark? That's the chart that is most important to me. Now, if you're 40 years away from retirement, let's say you're 25. I'm going to use 65 as your standard, but that's probably going to rise over, over the number of years as life expectancy goes up, people are healthier when they hit that age, etc. But we're just going to use 65 as standard. So if you're 25, you need four, to save $420 a month to get to a million dollars by the age of 65. That's it, $420 a month. Most people can do that, especially with 
inflation going up, wages likely to go up over time, shouldn't be that hard. This is static until the age of 65. Now, if you have 35 years of retirement, say you're 30, you need $600. This is starting at zero. If you're 30, you need $880 a month. Sorry, 30 years away, so 35. Now, as you get closer, it starts to ramp up here. 25 years away from retirement at the age of 40, if you haven't saved anything, you need to save $1,320 per month to get to that million dollar mark. 20 years from retirement, you need 2,000. 15, you need 3,300 a month. And 10 years, let's say you don't save anything until the age of 55, you just start saving, you need to save $6,000 a month. So the instructive thing here isn't about index funds, whether you use them or not is more of a, a preference of how much time you want to put in, how, what type of strategy you want to deploy, etc. But it goes back to the most important factor when it comes to being successful in the investment world, in the savings world, in the financial freedom goal. And that is saving consistently. That's why 401ks are so impactful. They automatically make you save. In fact, I believe there's a bill that's going through Congress right now, Steve and I were talking about this morning, where it automatically opts employees into their 401k at a 3% deferral. Meaning it forces them to sign up for a 3% deferral of their paycheck into a 401k. And it auto-escalates 1% annually up to 10%. So it creates kind of a standard path towards that 10% annually put into your 401k. Now you can opt out of it. That's the preface on this, which is, I think, good. It, it kind of a, There's a good book out there. I think it was The Economist's Book of the Year in 2011, I believe. It's called Nudge. And talks about this kind of your a libertarian mindset where you have the freedom, but putting the systems in place to nudge people to the right decision. It's kind of like when you have the calorie count on the menu of your fast food restaurant. You can order whatever you want, but it's kind of nudging you, hey, you should probably go with the lower calorie things. Same type of thing. But that automatic savings is very important, and those figures show you exactly why it's important to start early and be consistent. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and for investors, the need to remain vigilant never ends. So naturally, you have questions, and that's why I remind you now that you can call our 24-hour listener line and leave your question on our voice bank system, and Steve and I will provide unbiased answers on a future podcast. And now your participation is vital to the mix of this show. So we're taking your calls live here, 4 to 5 Pacific time at 888-99-CHART. The markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. I had a question about a company called H2O Innovation. H-E-O 
Uh, this is a Canadian company, and they are in the water treatment solutions business. So they sell filtration technology to municipal energy and natural resource end users. And it's a relatively small company. If you look at their market cap, one point, sorry, $161 million market cap revenues, 106 million trailing 12 months. EBITDA only $6 million trailing 12 months. So not a ton of profitability there, roughly 6% EBITDA margins. Return to equity, return on assets, longer term have vacillated to from positive to negative. Their balance sheet doesn't look terribly bad, so that's good. Their recent performance of the company has definitely improved uh, from a cash flow and earnings perspective. However, my issue is that over the last decade or so, they went public back in 2000 and it looks like 11. They had 12 million shares outstanding then. Today, they have 84 million shares outstanding. And, and certainly, revenue's gone up, operating cash flow has, has gone up and is now decently positive. But their profitability metrics have been relatively weak and they continue to issue more shares. The chart, I will say the chart does look fairly bullish on a daily, but it doesn't get me excited, to be honest with you. I would really have to understand their technology, what's driving their recent boost in their performance of their business. Does it have anything to do with the pandemic? Is it transitory? Do they, they develop a new technology that is better than others in the industry? You know, they're such, so small that I haven't really done any work. So I'd really have to see something about their product suite that has changed over the last year or so that maybe will give it higher than historic profitability levels. And until I see that, it just doesn't get me juiced up. So I'm going to pass on it. I don't like how many shares they've issued over the last decade, and their business performance is kind of eh. Now, we have a bit of a backlog of voice bank questions, and I don't want them to become stale. So today, we'll devote more time to voice bank calls. This came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys. Long-time listener here. I had a question with interest rates being so low on savings accounts. I was thinking about moving some cash to high-dividend ETFs and wanted to get your thoughts on HDV, Harry David Victor. Looking forward to your thoughts. Thanks. All right, looking at ETFHDV, and this is the iShares Core High Dividend ETF. So the, you're going to get a nicer dividend, right? 3.8% is the current yield. Problem is, you're looking at very different levels of risk. And so many people make this mistake. And they look at just the yield, and they say, well, this yields more and this yields less. And they see, well, that's more attractive because it's a higher yield. And certainly that can be so. But you are investing in, you're comparing apples to oranges here. High yield savings account right now is probably yielding half a percent. This is yielding three, almost 4%. But, and it's on the value side. Typically dividend investing is tilted towards value type stocks. The problem with this is you're focusing on high dividend yields, and that can be good. But high dividend yields also typically means higher than average risk. 
Why? Because a lot of those companies have a lot of debt many times. Now, if you look at the top 10 holdings, they're all relatively fine. You have Exxon, AT&T, Chevron, Johnson & Johnson, Verizon, Procter & Gamble, Pfizer, Cisco, Coke, and Merck. Those are the top 10 holdings. All very solid companies. So I like that mix. But understand the volatility. Just because they're bigger blue chip names and they have less volatility than most stocks or the market as a whole doesn't mean that there is no volatility. Go back just simply last year. And what did this ETF do during the March timeframe? It fell from 95 all the way to the low of 61 and change. So don't confuse the two as similar types of opportunities. One is equity exposure, and no matter what type of equity exposure it is, no matter if it's the biggest blue chip dividend paying company there is, which I listed those top 10 and those are in that mix, they're still high risk. It's still high risk. If you were in all equities, you are taking high risk. Are there high, is there higher risk? Sure. But putting it in a savings account, FDIC savings account, yielding half a percent, is very, very different. The risk level is drastically different than something like this. Now, if you're willing to take the risk, you're willing to ride that out over the longer term, this is a definitely better vehicle. You're going to make more over time. If you need that money in the near term, say to buy a house or pay off another debt, whatever that is, don't be taking that risk. But longer term, this is a solid one, solid fund and should do fairly well. Now the next invest stock, the story. US jobless claims rise to 770,000 with layoffs still high. And Steve will get to that story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your calls live at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, 
We need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Brady out of uh, Indiana calling about ticker CNHI. I actually farm. We use Red Equipment. They're a company that is engaged in design, production, marketing, sale, financing of agriculture, construction, commercial vehicles, and the such. Just thinking, we talked about the great rotation from tech to industrial, then looking at it from the finance side with rises possibly in interest rates coming up. I do have a small portion of these shares looking to add. Just wondered where you think uh, the company's headed long term. Thanks for the call. All right, looking at CNH Industries. And this is a company that's domiciled out of the UK. And if you look at their product range, it's uh, they have agriculture equipment, construction equipment, commercial vehicles, powertrain components. It's actually it's incorporated in the Netherlands, excuse me. Principal office is in London. 42% of manufacturing revenue generated from the agricultural equipment side, 8% from construction, and 36 from commercial vehicles. So kind of broadly diversified there. $24 billion in revenue last year. Are expected to earn about a dollar a share next year, not this year, 81 cents a share this year. Trading at almost $16 a share. Based on forward earnings, that's not too expensive. Let's look at their free cash flow, trailing 12 months, about $2.26 a share. That's good, based on $15 a share currently trading. Last year's profitability was hit, but if you look over the last decade or so, their return on equity has averaged and in the high, high teens, which I like. Let's look at their balance sheet. Balance sheet is a little levered there. They do have a decent amount of debt. $26 billion on $21 billion market cap. That's relatively high. So I worry a bit about that. 
Enterprise value to EBITDA, 28. So if you're looking based on market cap, the cash flow is pretty cheap. But enterprise value, remember, enterprise value is adding the market cap plus the debt on its balance sheet. Remember, enterprise value is addressing the total amount it would cost to buy out the equity holders and pay off the debt holders. Because that's important. How much debt a company has is extremely important when you're valuing a company. And if you're only looking at market cap, you're completely ignoring the debt load. And that's very important. So if you base it on enterprise value, it's not that cheap anymore. Trading at 28 times. Historically, this is traded closer to 12 to 15 times. Enterprise value to EBITDA. So it's getting a little stretched for me. But that EBITDA will likely bounce back. Because if you're looking trailing two months, it's about $1.34 billion. Typically, that was closer to three or four. If you get back to trend, uh, maybe that valuation comes down. So you really have to look forward here. Um, I like this overall because of the space that it's in and its historical pro profitability. So if it gets back to those levels, which I don't see why it wouldn't if uh, the world gets back to normal, I'm going to give it a thumbs up. Thanks for the call. Now we're on a roll. Let's keep it going. The next Invest Talk caller question came in earlier from Oregon. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Dylan checking in from Oregon. Uh, one piece of my portfolio is TAP. I've got a half a position right now. That's Coors, uh, Molson Coors. Just wondering if I should start rounding it out and uh, buying more or if I should kind of get rid of it. I'm up a little bit with that one. I've been holding it for a little while. Just wanted to get your thoughts. Thanks, guys. All right, looking at TAP Molson Coors. This is the fifth largest beer producer globally. It's second here in the U.S., Canada, and many Central European markets. Has brands like Blue Moon, Coors, Miller Lite, Vizzy, etc. It also owns Dos Equis in Canada. Has a licensing range with Heineken. Has Corona. So many very good brands. Now if you look at the price performance, even pre-pandemic, hasn't been that hot. It's been struggling. Its high was back in 2016, around $110 a share. Now we're at 49 So that worries me. Free cash flow is pretty good, but I don't like the overall trends. So I'm going to pass on it. Long-term profitability is high single digits, not high enough for me. Even if it gets back to that, it's going to be eh. So... While I like the cash flow, I don't like that lower level of profitability that it's been sustaining for the last decade plus. So if I'm getting in the alcohol industry, this is not at the top of my list, and it's probably not in the top five, so I'm going to pass on it. Now we have a live caller from Hawaii. It's Danny asking about PLBY, which is Playboy. Hey, Justin, how's it going today? Doing well. Do you own it or looking yeah, to buy so it? I just, 
I, I'm looking to maybe start a position in this. I've been seeing a lot of chatter lately about the um, sexual wellness kind of sector, uh, part of the uh-huh. health sector as well. And I heard that Playboy has recently kind of transitioned to a pleasure for all mentality and not so much just men's entertainment. So I was just wondering what you think. It seems like it's on the run lately, but um, wondering what's maybe a price to get in at. Yeah, this is uh, actually a name that we own for clients. We've owned it for about a month now. We we bought it pre a few days before it despacked. It was a it was a spac, and now it's just right. a normal traded company. And the reason that we bought we bought it around the twelve to thirteen dollar range. That's where we picked it up a lot of it. Now it's surged over the past week or so to seventeen oh five. So it's been been good for us. And we continue to like it on any any pullbacks. I think it could pull back to 15, 14, 15. I think that would be a great buy point area. But our thesis is has less to do with simply sexual wellness or anything like that. And that's certainly a part of, of their strategy. But the Playboy brand is the third most recognized brand in the world, especially in Asia. It's very popular. And... When Hugh was alive, Hugh Hefner, it was kind of a brand that wasn't well run. It was his personal picky bank. He was having fun with his playboys in the mansion and everything. But he's passed now. And, but the, the, the status and the recognizability of that brand remains. And it's now run by legitimate operators that understand consumer brands. And they are... Using that brand to license in multiple areas from gaming to leisure to hospitality to uh, I think they're even launching a CBD, probably a a cannabis line. So they have a lot of plans for their own brands as well as licensing and licensing margins are very, very high. So based on what they project for just a few years from now 24 and 24 2025 this is trading at like one times revenue expected revenue three or four years from now and it shouldn't be it should be trading much higher than that so we're big fans of it uh, i like it uh be- and, and they don't really have the magazine anymore it's not really what this company is they don't have a nude magazine so while they do have publications, they're, they're no longer new. They're more your standard um, men's magazine. And it's more about the lifestyle brand. And that's why we like it. And that's why I think it's a, it's a great buy, even, even after this recent surge. But, you know, market's starting to get a little volatile. I could see a pullback into that 14, 15 area. Thanks for the call, Danny. Now, I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk. And it is now official. We've crossed the 30 million download mark in the history of Invest Talk. And we appreciate all of our fans all across the world. We thank you for downloading Invest Talk, for telling your friends and family about all of our financial and investing podcasts. Please keep the calls, questions, and messages coming in. And remember, you can head over to our website, investtalk.com. There's a great number of resources available to assist you with your goal of building a solid financial future. If you're unsure where to start, I suggest you take the Riskalyze questionnaire, which will help define your investment comfort zone. 
And of course, you're welcome to call our KPP Financial Offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. We would love to help you. But for now, our phone lines are open at 888-99-CHART. There is good news for loyal InvestTalk listeners, their friends, and families. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. This free podcast is available for download anytime. Typically, each day and night, the InvestTalk call center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. So in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. The first segment of the Rapid Fire Hour is hosted by Justin Klein, and Steve Beasley handles the second half. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Lenny from Los Angeles, a longtime listener, first-time caller. Thank you for the show. I'm calling about two different ways of getting into copper, and I'm wondering if you can compare them. Tell me what you think is better, or maybe they're both good ways of getting in, and what you think about the appropriate price points. The first is an ETF, or I think ETN, JJC, iPad Series B Bloomberg Copper Sub-Index, tracking the metal. And the other is FCX, Freeport McMorrin. Thank you very much, and I'll listen on the show. Now, what you are comparing are, I would say, different types of apples. Maybe not apples to oranges, but different types of apples. One would be exposure to the raw commodity. And that exposure is in the form of derivatives, typically. And that is what you're investing in inside the copper ETN, JJC. And that is an expense ratio because IPATH is managing that as 0.45%. That is a lower risk way to go, but it's also lower potential return. When it comes to any commodity, maybe not any, but the vast majority of commodities, we much rather own the underlying producer of that commodity. Why? Well, in simple terms, operating leverage. And I use gold as a, always a good example. The average gold miner cost of getting gold out of the ground is roughly $1,000 an ounce. It's actually 950 but let's use 1000 for round numbers to be conservative. At $200 or $1,200 an ounce for gold, their profit on average is $200 per ounce. Let's say prices go from 1200 to 1800 They're roughly around there now. That's a 33% increase in the price of gold. Right, from 1200 to 1800 but their profits went from $200 to $800. It went up 400%. Okay. And that is the same for a lot of these commodity, most of these commodity producers. If the price goes up, their cost to take it out of the ground or to mine it or however they're acquiring it typically doesn't change that much. 
And so their profits explode. And you look at FCX here. It was down around 4 bucks back in March. Now it's at $35. JJC at the bottom, same time frame. It was trading at 32 Now it's at 61 So it's still a great return. But you can see that huge explosion in the price of Freeport versus a JJC. Now, if you're wrong, JJ, JJC will go down less. If you get in at the wrong time, there's going to be less risk there, downside risk with a JJC. But if you're right, wouldn't you rather have your thesis play out with much bigger returns? I would. So I like FCX. I do think the copper market and commodities in general have gotten a little ahead of themselves, to be honest with you. And we're entering a more consolidative period where you're going to get a lot of backing and filling and pullbacks that I do think should be bought. But understand that that can mean a lot of volatility, especially for a name like FCX. So now it's trading at 35. My target's around 25 is where I would like to get in. But that is the big difference between those two different types of opportunities. Now we have a caller on hold, but for now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here, and that's to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And we're heading into our final break. So our work continues after this. So get your questions in now. We only have a few minutes left, so if you're going to call during this live hour, do it right now at 888-99-SHARK. Got a question for Steve or Justin? Uh, I think there's likely a pullback here uh, in the in the offing. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk 888-99 Chart. Investors, the goal of achieving financial freedom requires unbiased information, strategic planning, and determination. Congratulations, you've found the podcast that is dedicated to helping you succeed. Invest Talk. Steve and Justin welcome your questions anytime on the Invest Talk listener line 888 99Chart. Let's go to Portland and talk with Heather. She's asking about financial planners. Heather, are you there? Yeah. Hi. So um, I'm calling for my daughter. She's uh, looking for a new financial planner. She's 22, and she's about to be commissioned in the Air Force. Okay. So she... Um, you know, she doesn't have a whole lot of money to invest, but is uh, just getting started. And the financial advisor that she's been talking with is commission-based. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to find out, like, what the difference is between a commission-based and a fee-based planner. Sure. Well, Typically, the difference is that a commission-based planner is going to try to get her into some type of commission product, whether it's a mutual fund or an annuity or a whole life or universal life policy, some way that they can make their commission. And that's 
a problem typically because that creates conflicts of interest. Doesn't mean that their advice is necessarily bad, but it can be colored, unfortunately. A financial advisor like us, we're a registered investment advisor. We manage money for a fee, uh, a, a quarterly fee, and we are fiduciaries, meaning we have to act in the best interest of our clients. A broker does not have to do that. Someone who's commission-based does not have to do that. It just has to be appropriately, the, the product has to be appropriate for that particular client. The hard thing for her is that if she doesn't have a lot of money, then the minimums for, say, an RAA typically are pretty high. $100,000 plus. Broker, you know, they can make enough commissions. Problem is, is that they're not really going to have their best, her, her best interest at heart, most likely. For right now, because she's so young, does she really need one? I think that is the question. Does she really need, a, there are, there are fine savings vehicles that she doesn't need a financial planner. There are retirement calculators, but she's 22. So really it's more about just save. Using a, a robo-advisor is probably not the worst thing when she has so such little money. When her situation becomes more complex, sure, five, 10 years from now, she amass a decent amount of money, then maybe hire something like that. But I think right now it's more on focusing on saving and saving in a tax efficient way, but that's more of a CPA question. So having a good CPA is where she should probably start and focus on saving consistently. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Georgia and talk with Julie. She's looking at Volkswagen. Hey, Justin. Uh, so I managed to get out of a story EV stock unscathed, uh, barely. And so I'm looking for a little more exposure. And I know Volkswagen uh, seems to be uh, leading the pack of well-known automobile manufacturers. And, and, of course, I was thinking about buying it last week, and it was significantly less than it is today. And I just wondered if you thought Volkswagen was a good uh, thing to buy at all, or is you know is this too high at this point, or you know what, what you think? Well, it did go parabolic yesterday, up 20% or so, gave a lot of that back today. And I just simply think that is a product of that, that excess and is probably going to enter somewhat of a consolidation period. And I like it on that pullback. Anything in that around that $30 mark, I think is still a, a good buy. Any dip into the 20s, I, I really like it. So especially if you're comparing it to a company like Tesla, they're about to outsell. They expect to outsell Tesla this year in number of units. And they're actually profitable. Crazy, right? And their market cap is 180 billion. Tesla's is 626 billion. I honestly think Tesla's going probably to 100 this year. $100 a share from 650 today. But yeah, I I think this is if you're looking for an automobile maker to bet on, this is the one in the space. Thanks for the call. I'm Justin Klein. This is another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which we post a new program each weekday shortly after the end of our live stream broadcast, which concludes at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night.
Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.